millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right. I want to welcome everybody today to the Unimpressed Podcast. We have Ariel LaFond here today. She is a celebrity accountant, mobile CFO, entrepreneur. And yeah, we're going to talk about her business. I think uh, I think we're unimpressed that she is not a bigger name in the celebrity accounting mobile CFO space. So welcome to Charleston, South Carolina, being from New York City. So how are you doing today, Errol? Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm doing really well. It is a nice change of pace to be out of the city right now especially with everything that's going on. Being in New York City, how have you felt through this whole pandemic issue and so forth? So I've stayed in the city the whole time. I've had a lot of friends that left and moved to their parents or moved to another home. Um, But I think I'm a real New Yorker for staying the entire time. It's definitely had some ups and downs. It was very quiet for a while, but... I think the city is really adaptable. It's definitely rebounding. New York is not dead. I refuse to believe it. I just hope they take care of the place. I just moved from North Caldwell, Mm -hmm. New Jersey. My driveway was 20 miles from Midtown. Yeah. And uh, I love New Jersey. Love New York. Been there 12 years. Dad was from there and Mm -hmm. so forth. And uh, I don't know. I just need to come to the beach. Yeah. So I came down to the beach. I think a lot of people have done that. (laughs) I just think um, de Blasio is a real character. and uh, That's one way to put it. Yeah, it's just interesting. Why did you go this direction of creating this like mobile CFO accounting situation? What what drove you or gave you the idea to approach this? Is there any other people in this industry doing this? Or is this something totally new that you want to adapt and create your own blueprint? Yeah, so I think that there are people in the industry doing a derivative of this, but I think that where I come in is that I'm more customized and it's more communication. I think I'm more relatable to my clients, which is why I think it's been so successful. I actually didn't intend to start an outsource CFO business. I am so lucky that it actually just kind of happened really organically. Um, A lot of my friends would ask me questions about, basic finance. I'm a CPA. That's my job. Um, So oftentimes they would come to me and ask about doing their taxes or setting up a 401k. And then it snowballed into my friend is starting a business. Can you help with the bookkeeping? Can you help her with the accounting? And then I showed them that there is much more value in. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Actually taking a dive into the financial side of it. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to be ignored. And it's something you should check in with more frequently. So I think after that, I got more and more referrals, and that's kind of how my business just grew. So if you have an Instagram account, mostly Instagram people? A lot of Instagram. Does, and, but you'll work with Facebook, people who are on Facebook, people on Instagram, yes. any other platforms? Um, even people with just Shopify stores or online stores, but for the most part, their businesses have been so successful through social media. That's how... Most people find them. Yeah, so this is kind of a, a very unique thing. I think there's a space there for this type of business. So yeah. it's when, you know, it's when that talent uh, influencer, as Tyler calls them, gets out of bed and they create a business, right. start making money, and they don't know what to do. Yeah, it's hard to trust people, too. You don't want someone that's going to mismanage you or lead you in the wrong direction or just kind of do what's in their best interest. So I think it's really important to get someone that will help you understand what's going on and what you're signing up for. When you approach a client in this space, what is your first directive or questions? What do you, how do you approach a, a, a new client? Yeah. So I think my first approach is always to see what their previous practices were. So then I can kind of build from there. I come in and I'm like, this is what I would have done differently. This is where I think you could have saved money. This is something that you're not compliant with. And then I feel like that helps build trust and also helps build a plan for next steps and for the future. Can you see where you can scale potentially if they're on one, they're driving down one road of monetization, right? Mm -hmm. And that branches to other things. Can you see those opportunities coming where you can scale their business? Yeah, especially even in COVID, a lot of my clients work in the luxury product or service business, and that was scaled back at a time where people were losing their jobs or had a lot of uncertainty. So we had to get creative and see what other revenue streams we could bring in, whether that's a branding project or something more along the lines of like their personal brand and their name, as opposed to just selling product or service. Now, do you, is there a, a limit of um, followers and potential business customers that they need to have on Instagram or, or Facebook or so forth? No, not at all. I think that a lot of growth can happen quickly and organically. And it would be such a shame to pass somebody up that didn't have a lot of followers one day when the next day they could be a great sensation. I just want to be passionate about the brand or the product itself. We're pretty massive as far as our numbers go and so forth. Um, and we get a lot, I get a lot of uh, potential offers like $500 here, $1,000 here, $300 here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't think the juice is... Um, worth the squeeze on those deals and I kind of avoid those deals. What do you, what would advice would you give somebody uh, for these many deals that they want you to jump through a thousand hoops about and make 45 videos and tag this and tag that? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that the real way to be successful on social media is to be organic and honest. And it's so obvious when 
these influencers are taking deals just for the money and it's not a product that they believe in. And I think that comes back to bite them when their following ends up using the product and not liking it. They become untrustworthy and that just kind of spirals and helps or not helps, but it hinders them. They lose their audience. Yeah, smart. Very, very smart. It's the first time I've ever had anybody say that. Because that's how I think. It's like, it's like focus. My motto, I have a t-shirt that says focused energy. I like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's, I've always said, it, you know, there's, there's more bad deals than good deals. Yeah. And especially in a day and age where your brand, air quotes brand, is everything, you don't want to jeopardize that. Branding is, I mean, that's, that's the world we live in. We yeah. talked about that because I asked you about uh, branding yourself and your face and your personality. Uh, that's a big deal in today's time. Even, even though you're helping personalities. Mm-hmm. Creating your own personality will enhance helping these other personalities. Yeah, so that's what I'm working on next. Um, so the name of my company that I use for outsourced CFO work is Aha uh-huh Money, which is like a riff on the Kanye West Aha uh-huh Honey song. And I just think there's so much potential for personality and like millennials and all of this to really get a feel that there's an approachable accountant. There's someone that's relatable and quirky and funny. And I think that there's a good brand there. It's just so hard to put yourself out there. So how do you sell yourself now? Pretty much on being relatable and understanding, especially in New York. Um, a lot of people are using not to generalize, but an older male accountant. And I think that having someone that speaks your language, having someone that's constantly available. Like I'm a part of a generation where we're always on our phones. We're always answering texts. My clients text me almost every day and I'm always available to respond. So I think that that is the main selling point there. You know, how do you manage your time doing both businesses? Yeah. So I'm so lucky. I love my job a lot. Um, And it's a little bit cyclical because it's more of a traditional accounting job. So in that space, I'm doing tax compliance and planning for entertainers and athletes. So it's a slightly different clientele, but they don't need day-to-day help on their taxes. You know, the busiest times for me are traditionally April and in the fall. So that's helpful. I'm also a huge morning person. So I like to wake up early, get a lot of things done then. And I feel like that relieves a lot of anxiety throughout the day. Obviously, it's not easy. I don't think that anyone that's ever started a business isn't working around the clock or isn't always constantly thinking about it. But I think that's why I'm so passionate about it and why I started it in the first place. Where do you get your focus from and and your drive from? Because there's a lot of people that are your age and sometimes I don't see a lot of focus. I think that my main focus comes from my clients. I'm not someone that wants to let my clients down. That would make me really upset and my reputation depends on it. So if I want to maintain this career and this livelihood, I have to keep my clients happy and they can sometimes be demanding. So it's almost a forced focus at times. You're from New Jersey. Where are you from in New Jersey? I am from New Jersey. I am from a town called Middletown, which is um, in central Jersey along the shore. So I grew up going to the beach a lot and I went to high school in Red Bank. That's where your your parents live? and Yes. And what do you, what do your parents do? My mom um, was a stay-at-home mom my whole life. So it's very different growing up with someone who isn't career oriented, but is so nurturing. Like she was mom of the year, class mom, all that. So she was just like really involved in that aspect of my life and all aspects of my life. And my dad is actually an investigator. He's retired now, but he was someone like same job, 30 years. He worked for the government. 
So I think it's so interesting when they heard I wanted to be an accountant, they were confused. They were like, you have so much personality. I don't know why you'd want to be an accountant. Are you sure you want to do that? And it was the same thing. Like they associated accounting with old males, boring, snooze fast. And then when I wanted to leave, I used to work at PwC. So my dad having the same job for 30 years, when I wanted to leave my first really stable corporate job, they were like, what are you doing? People don't change careers so young. And then starting my business was the next hurdle. And then they were like, you know what, at this point now we know you get it. We trust you. But it took a little while to get there. I think that they kind of didn't understand what I was trying to do. And I think it's so funny how generationally like we've changed. There's been such a shift in careers and this this career didn't exist in their time. You know, like they didn't have Instagram or outsource CFOs or a need for any of this. So I think it's just funny how much it's evolved. Oh, I talked about being nimble, right? Mm-hmm. And I think how fast technology is moving Yeah, in this world today. Oh, yeah. Staying nimble is very, very important. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of brick and mortar situations out there may not be the right situation for younger people. Right. Because those companies may not be nimble in the long run. It makes a lot of sense because I think if you look at traditionals, things like accounting, lawyers, and so forth, doesn't have the same level of prestige, maybe, of when your parents were yeah. in that world and, and trying to find a job or so forth. Or even like a clear career trajectory, right? Like accountants used to go to school for accounting, become CPAs, and then practice their trade, whether that be with tax returns or auditing or something like that. And they would work for any, like a small firm, mid-sized firm, large firm. Like those were basically the options. And now you can, same thing with law school. You would go to law school, take the bar, become a lawyer, pick a specialty and go that route. Now there are literally lawyers that specialize in only Bitcoin. There are entertainment lawyers. There's a lawyer for everything. IP is so different now. Like it just, there are so many new changes with social media that I think it's created a need for niche markets. How do you see branding yourself? How do you want to brand yourself? So, I mean, what is your plan? What is your mental plan? Like, I just wonder what your thought process is to enhance your business. Yeah. So my plan is to launch on social media and get more back into creating a blog where I can inform people of basic finance um, and help give them tips and best practices, whether you're starting a business or you know, trying to save for a vacation, trying to save for retirement, anything, you know, like people don't have resources to help them do that. My plan is to brand as a millennial accountant. I think that that'll be cheeky and fun. My target audience is typically female. Uh, I think that's what my personality drives best with. So what's the definition of cheeky? <laughs> um, I guess I would say like cute, quirky, sassy. You should coin that term. You cheeky. think I should? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm serious. Like you should patent that. All that, right. I'm uh, on it. That, I would patent that name. Brands I've created, I trademark immediately. Okay. So I'll call I, you. Yeah. I would, I would trademark that. What does full service mean in, in what you do? I think this kind of goes back to what we were saying with how I convince clients that my service is superior or something like that. Um, it's really about communication. I think that there's such quick contacts nowadays. If you don't answer an email or a text immediately, you can miss out on something important. So that is my main full service option. But broader spectrum, I offer tax services, bookkeeping, accounting, consulting, brand deal, review, things like that. What do you charge for this? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, 
you know, I don't really have a one size fits all model. I usually do an a la carte situation and some of my clients that I speak with more frequently, you know, we check in every day, every month, every quarter. So I kind of space it out or charge based on the frequency of communication. Like, well, like more of an hourly type thing or. Yeah. If it's, I can do an hourly fee if it's a special project, but for the most part, I try and maintain longer term relationships with my clients. Who's your longest client? Who have you had the longest time? So I started my business, I guess now almost three years ago. It goes by really quickly. Um, Came into this because I was on Instagram and an influencer posted a new piece of art that she just got. And I thought this was the coolest thing. I still think it's the coolest thing, but it was a shadow box filled with candy and it was this plexiglass shadow box. And it said, in case of emergency, break glass. And so I messaged the artist right away. I said, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Are you selling these? How can I buy one? And she was like, yeah, come to my studio and I'll show you. So I got there and I would, she were talking about the artwork. She asked me what I do for work. I was like, oh, I'm an accountant. And she's like, I really need an accountant. Can you start tomorrow? And we've been together ever since. The job has really evolved from day one when we started. Now we're partners. Um, we work together really closely. We talk multiple times a day. It's incredible. Um, but she's definitely my longest standing client and she's been so much fun to work with. When you first started with her, how much has her business grown? Tremendously. It's so crazy. And she has such an Instagrammable business and such a mind for branding. And the things she has done have been amazing. Now she's in numerous department stores. She's created merchandise. She's really built a lifestyle brand as well as this original artwork. You hands on with the technical stuff? I am. I mean, to be completely honest, I had no idea what I was doing, but I learned along the way and I didn't want to disappoint my clients. I didn't want to be the one that said, oh, we have to find someone to help with this. When you're starting a business, you're trying to conserve money. So I was like, I'll learn. I'll figure it out. And that's kind of how I just faked it till I made it. That's interesting because I I was telling Matt, our production guy, that I didn't learn how to edit till 2014. Mm-hmm. Right. And talk about being nimble and trying to figure out a business. Our business, there was no blueprint. Right. No blueprint, no direction. There's not a manual for this. Everything I've done with this business was by discovery, right? And trial and error. It's wash and repeat, wash and repeat, wash and repeat. And then you fine tune as you continue to wash and repeat. Exactly. And then I learned these were services I could offer to others. So once I mastered it with client one, then I could offer it to client two and charge more money and market myself as more of a one-stop shop. So that has really helped. Do you ever see this pulling you out completely of the accounting firm and this be solely 110% your business? That's a tough one for me to say. Um, I really love my day job and that is my trade. That's what I'm trained to do at the end of the day is be a CPI. But I think that there's a way to maybe bring them together. Of my, a lot of my colleagues at my day job work in business management and they're, you know, bringing brand deals in and doing that for celebrity clientele. So I think one day there could be a way to maybe merge or I could kind of take a step back from the granular day to day of my side business and just do more high level consulting. Maybe a board role would be something I'm interested in. But for now, I'm just going to keep grinding and doing both until the answer is clear. Now you talked about going to the Soho house. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, are you a member of Soho House? I'm not a member of the Soho House, but I am a frequent guest. 
You're ever going guess. Yeah, actually, Soho House has this thing where they only like creatives, right? Yeah. So I think if I applied as an accountant, they wouldn't like me so much. Just uh, if you want to apply, let me know. <laughs> okay, okay, sure. Okay, you can use me as a reference. I'll get you in. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's not. Uh, they do. They don't let a lot of people in. Though. I know, and they don't like the stuffy finance people. And when I write, I'm a CPA. That's what it sounds like. We just got. You got to make the bio more colorful. <laughs> okay, no problem. You know, you're an artist, accountant, entrepreneur. Yeah, you we know, can work on it. Because I don't, I don't, I don't see anything different. I actually met the girl mm-hmm. from Texas that own like it now. oh now like to know it like to know it yeah i talked to her and like she was talking to a room and then we started talking she's like what do you know if you're asking these questions because she was talking about and this might be some information for you as well that mm-hmm. the world is going to micro payments she thinks that micro payments is the next big wave that's so interesting and in micro payments is like if you have an app mm-hmm. and it's the functionality within the app right so you're even dissecting more Mm-hmm. So instead of having a, a, a paywall on the surface, yeah. right, there's multiple micropayments being built in certain type of apps and structurally. I don't yeah. think it's defined yet, Okay, but they say the micropayments is, is going to be the future. That's a hot take. I'm interested to hear yeah. more. It's in games now, like if, yeah. you, if you're playing like Coin Master, right? You can, while you're playing this game, they will offer you certain things. Like an in-app purchase. Yeah. So if you're selling, you said one of your clients has Play-Doh. Yes. Makes Play-Doh. Yes. So how would we brainstorm? That's something to think about. How if creating an app for mm-hmm. the Play-Doh company, we're going to give everybody a business model right now. Yeah. <laughs> Listen up. <laughs> yeah. Creating an app with the Play-Doh company. Uh-huh. What do you think we can do with that app to create revenue and micropayments within the app? Okay. Selling Play-Doh, obvious revenue stream for sure. I think the... Micropayment would be a video recording or some type of interactive lesson that your kids could watch and make a Play-Doh pizza or do something like that. So, I mean, especially now when we're all at home, keeps your kids occupied. They're using the product that they hopefully purchased from you and they're paying 99 cents for an hour, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? It makes sense. I think the video, the interactive piece Mm -hmm. is, is smart. And then if you had maybe whatever piece they made... Yeah. Maybe they can buy the exact materials for that piece. Yeah, like a kit. Like kit. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you want to make a barn, a truck, uh, a horse, here's three videos, and here's the exact Play-Doh that you can use to make these three things. Right. And they're all $9.99 each or whatever. There you go. You did it. There you go. That's good. That's (laughs) a good deal. Hey, you could revolutionize that. You could be ahead of the game on that. That's a big deal. All right, don't tell anyone. Yeah, because it's like my daughter, she's 14, mm-hmm. and when she looks at everything, she's really involved within the world of those apps. Right. You know, in the layers and communication and so forth. So that may be a big deal. So if you heard it here first, if uh, <laughs> if, you, if, you become a, if you become a, you know, make as much money as the girl that uh, uh, I keep forgetting it, like it now. Like to know it. Like to know it, shit. <laughs> you make as much money as her. She's got 5,000 influencers. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And now she's created a demand, you know, for brands because she's so big. Yeah. And I think that um, it's something that would have happened organically anyway. Like these influencers, I'm sure get tons of messages. What are you wearing? Where is this from? Where can I buy it? So this is something they might already do anyway. So now if they're going to post it, at least they're 
they're making money for doing it. Yeah. The difference is between a traditional mindset accountant and what you're doing. What do you point out to your customer that would be the major difference to say, hey, this is what you need to do instead of this? Yeah. So I think that the main thing is one, not being afraid of your finances. I mean, even on a in an individual level, I have my friends that are like afraid to check their credit card bill after a long weekend. Like being in the dark is not helpful. So I think that is the main difference. I try and educate my clients instead of just being compliant as opposed to doing their taxes once a year, doing their bookkeeping at the end of the year, like giving them updates throughout the year or every month. Like here's where your numbers are at. Here's where you need to save money. Here's what we can do for a better month. Um, planning out cash flow so that they're not like, oh shit, I have all these payments due in a month and I didn't even think about it because I've just been afraid to look at my vendor invoices or something like that. So I think it's really kind of being on top of them and show, making schedules, showing them what's coming up and making them less afraid of their finances and more interested in their finances. It's almost like staying behind them mm-hmm. and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do because Yes. Again, that fits in this society. It's ADD world. <laughs> you know, we have these these runs, these thought processes. And, you know, you're having this run of a thought process and you forgot all about this. So the money and how you the money and how you spend your money is very, very important. Right. So that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, do you give them any any tools of anything um, <clears throat> initially, like a cliff notes or guidelines or say, hey, learn these five things or learn these 10 things? That's a good question and actually a good idea. Um, I'm hoping to turn my blog into more of something like that, like have like a business 101 section and do like steps to starting your own business. Um, But I don't have a specific roadmap for each client. I think it's more individualized. You know what you could do? You know, it would be good for you to like get your own camera to start. Do you tell? Okay. Is you have these 10 things Mm -hmm. that are standard. Yep. Right. Make a video, like a training guide. Yeah, I like this for idea. For each 10 things. But then I have to be on video. And then you have to be on video. Yeah, that's the... But that's that's coming from a smart place. Yeah. It comes from the foundation of an accountant. And right. maybe you could sell the training. Maybe you could sell the training for, you know, buy Ariel's 10 videos for five ninety nine. Yeah. And this will this is for all the influencers out there in the world. Right. I would and, pay to see this face. Yeah. How much, how much, how many could you sell of those? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of um, masterclass trainings and things like that. And I think eventually with growth, that's like a great goal to have. Um, but I think, yeah, you got to start somewhere. I think people like digestible short content, especially on social media. So that's kind of what I'm trying to get into, but it's still scary. Well, you got you got a good friend, Tyler McKinley. What do you think about South Carolina and when are you going back to New York? So I got here on Saturday and I've been staying in Charleston. Um Today, we're going to stay in Mount Pleasant through Saturday. So here a full week. I've loved it. The food is incredible. The people, though, are so chatty. It's so funny. Everyone's like, I love the people in South Carolina. They're so friendly. And I'm from New York. I'm wearing my AirPods in the grocery store. I'm wearing my AirPods on the street. I don't want to talk to my Uber driver. But it helps me slow down a little bit and try and be more friendly. So I'll say that. Even though I'm originally, uh, you can tell my Southern accent, I'm originally from the South. Mm-hmm. I've been, I was in New York area for 12 years. Yeah. Being from the South and then moving, I was in LA prior to um, being in New York. Yeah. And when I came down here, it's like I moved so fast. I closed on my, I closed on my New Jersey house. I think it was October... 21st. Nice. Okay. 
I closed on this house October 31st. That's how it's done. You know what I'm saying? I don't have time for bullshit. Yeah. And they're looking at me like, I'm I'm still a Southerner. I'm still a redneck. But, <laughs> but living up there in, you know, sink or swim environment. Right. You develop this environmentally driven way of living. Yeah. And you come here and you're just like, Phew. and everybody's like, slow down. Yeah. You know, I do think that there's a lot of stereotypes between people in the North and people in the South. Yeah. Right. There's very, very stereotypes. But I do think if people would look around the stereotypes, I think the people are the same anywhere you go. That's true. They have the same sensitivities. Mm-hmm. They have the same makeups as everybody else in the world. Yeah. But wherever you're planted, that's going to enhance who you are. Yeah. Fundamentally, we're all the same. But if you live in New York, you just have crippling anxiety. <laughs> that works. Anxiety is a big thing. What is what's. What is about, I deal with it I, with my comedians, uh, with an, another artist we work with that works for us, and I deal with this anxiety thing yeah. in young people. What do you think creates that anxiety in today's um, time? Is it information? Yeah, I mean, there's so much information out there. Um, but I also think that being public, too, like on social media, like so many people have like social media anxiety, right? Like in my personal life, I don't have, I don't feel that way, but promoting my business on social media gives me a ton of anxiety and just putting yourself out there because there's so much comparison. Whereas before we didn't really have that. So I think that kind of plays into it a lot. Do you stay in the comments? I tell all my, <laughs> I tell all my comedians, stay out of the comments. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not famous. No one is commenting on my posts. And if anyone was commenting hate, I guess that really means I've made it. But I also think a lot of anxiety comes from the pressure of now. Like everyone's like, oh, this needs to be done ASAP. Like every single thing is urgent and everything that you receive is urgent because you receive it in real time. You receive an email, you receive a text, like it needs to be answered right away. Whereas before, like when email was a 24 hour rule instead of like a 30 minute rule, you know what I mean? So I think that creates a lot of anxiety. Too much information. Yeah. Too much communication. Yeah. Because if you, if you have to make a choice and pick one thing out of 50 things yeah. compared to picking one thing out of three, how much more thought process do you have to have yeah, to the, pick the one thing out of the 50? The paradox of choice. I can't tell you the amount of research I do on the silliest purchases, buying a toothbrush on Amazon. Oh my gosh, there are thousands of options. How will I ever choose? Yeah. It's insane. How long would it take you to buy a, t- uh, a toothbrush? I don't know, maybe like 30 minutes to one hour. For real? You want to see all the options out there. Why? And then I want to compare the best price. And then I want to see if there's a coupon. And then I want to read the reviews. And then I want to, you know, just make sure it's good. I just, there's so many options. I got to do all the research. So if you buy five products in a day, that's your whole day. Yeah. Rough day, that would be. Huh? <laughs> rough day. <laughs> so you're qualifying the product. You're pricing the product. Yeah. And what's the best reviews? Um, I like to just read the reviews on the website that the product's being sold. However, I do think that mostly crazy people write reviews. That's a hot take. Maybe people will give me backlash for this, but it's either the best product they've ever tried or the worst thing that's ever happened to them. So I don't even know why I read the reviews, but I still do. So do you, with your clients, do you look at, uh, like the Play-Doh company, do you look at comparisons, pricing, quality, and everything else to help with you help with your clients? Yeah, big time, because that's how they're going to market their product, right? If she's using these organic ingredients, that can justify a price increase as opposed to something if your child eats it, it could be dangerous. So seeing how they price that type of product, that 
creates potential for price increase. Well, you're talking about micropayments. People need to be micromanaged. Yeah. Unfortunately, because in the corporate world, people don't want to be micromanaged. Right. Independent world, you need to be micromanaged. Mm-hmm. And it's cross your T's, dot your I's. Right. Everything's perfect. I want everything perfect. And I want I'm it now. Pay- yeah, I want it. I want everything perfect. And I want it Yeah, now. That's the cause of anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I'm terrible at that. Like, if it's not perfect, I just, it just, there's something goes off in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't right. And it could be the smallest thing, mm-hmm. but it just, I can't, I can't mentally deal with it. Wow, no pressure for this podcast. Do what? <laughs> <laughs> Hope this interview is perfect. Yeah, no, nah, it's, it's, it's good. What do y'all think, guys? How's the interview going? It's going good. Um, we didn't talk about your education. Uh, what about your education? Um, yeah, so I went to college in Boston, which is actually how I know Tyler. I met his wife when I was in college at Northeastern. Um, I am such a loser. I knew I wanted to be an accountant from day one. So I went to Northeastern. I studied accounting. They have a cool program there where you do an internship every other semester. So I worked full time six months a year, three times while I was in college at an accounting firm. And then I started my career at that same company. Nice. And how long were you in school? It's a five-year program. Five-year program. Mm-hmm. To get, and what was your degree? Um, I just have a master, not a master's, wait, back up. I have a bachelor's in business administration and accounting. Huh. Me too. I have a degree in business management, mm-hmm. minor in economics. Nice. And I'm in the creative space. Oh, who figures, right? They need personable people that have the business background. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? In college, I never had books. I still got a degree. Wow. Yeah, I was a big time nerd. I can't even pretend that I did it. Because when books. I would get when I would get my book money, mm-hmm. I would go buy beer with it. Nice. Yeah. I was just I was the type of personality in a class that like school bored me. Yeah. For some reason. I don't know. I really thrived in school. I, I love the rules. Yeah. I well, you're very detailed, I yeah. can tell. I can tell. Which you you know, to be an accountant, you have right. to be very, very detailed. Yeah. If you're defining a product for your customer, yeah, where do you know when to get out or get away from something that shouldn't be utilized or utilized? I think that the main product driver is always quality. Kind of going back to what we were talking about with accepting these smaller deals or whatever for a couple hundred bucks and you're jumping through all these hoops and that can hurt your brand. I think that if you're putting out a product that isn't quality and that people aren't responding well to, then you need to immediately cut it because that is also going to harm your brand. Um, I would never enter into a product, of course, if it wasn't going to be profitable or something like that. That's that's a given. But I think that, you know, not necessarily a definitive answer or something that's not as clear is really how the customers react and how it's going to reflect on your brand. Is there a trend? Is there a trend in the numbers where you know you need to make a change? What do you see in the numbers and where do you see you would need to make a change? In an ideal world, a lot of my clients do made-to-order products. There's a lot of customization. So every single sale they make is profitable, right? If you are buying inventory and buying in bulk, there's definitely a test period and there's no black and white answer there. You know, if you think getting a PR team is going to push your product, that's an investment you have to make. And then you have to sit on this inventory while you're waiting for the product to push. So I really think that there are just too many factors to give a clear answer as to call it quits on a product. Do you believe in publicists? I do. That they can have a lot of added value. However, I think that there is a ton of space to be your own publicist and grow an organic audience and then people will come to you. Yeah, that's the, a publicist has been the biggest and hardest thing for me. 
mm-hmm. you know, and where I came from and knowing years ago, paying $5,000 a month for a publicist Yeah. to today, you have this reach where you can get in front of many eyeballs as potentially it's on a platform or so forth. Yeah. They're pricey. And now you're moving in the future and I've hired publicists. I hired one last year, but I never see the, you know, I always say whatever I spend, where's my return on value? Yeah, exactly. And I never see that return on value from publicists in entertainment recently, unless, you know, sometimes they're a big help with like a book yeah, or something specific. Yeah. Something very, very direct because people don't, people don't just put anything to print anymore. Yeah. Which is a very interesting dynamic, Mm -hmm. you know, moving forward and when you want to build a brand and, you know, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think perpetuation on social media is probably your best route. Right. And your cheapest route. Cause that's what I've do. I've built careers for people off social media. Yeah. When, when the TV world didn't said no to my thousand concepts I developed Yeah. and I got pissed off. I said, I'm going to figure this shit out myself. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So that's a, I don't know. That's something to figure out for the future, especially for young people, because if you want to be a publicist out there, I think there's a different way of doing business. I think a publicist is needed, but I don't think they have a defined answer on where to go. Right. You know, in this day and time, where do you want to see yourself in the next three years? In the next three years. Okay. I think I would like to hopefully no longer be unimpressive and be more of a name in the space, get myself out there on social media, really be educating people which I think will organically bring in clients and grow my business. So that's my hope is to really just get basic financial fundamentals out there for millennials to relate to. So, yeah. So you have these unique um, like third party businesses. These have been huge in COVID. So a lot of my clients have a specialty product, right? So say we're in New York, right? And my best friend moved to Florida during quarantine because just being in the city wasn't reasonable. Didn't make sense. But she misses the New York pastries so much. She can't live without them. Now there are these third-party companies that will go to your local pastry shop and ship it to Florida for my friend overnight in freezer bags, whatever. And then they take a cut of the sale. And This has gained exposure for my clients because now they're on another platform where people are just like searching from around the country as opposed to this is my local corner bake shop. I go here once a week and now someone in California can discover it from a distance and order that for themselves. So everything is becoming linear. Right. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's kind of what we talked about before is like that's that's the micro payments in an app. Yeah, you take a small cut. Yeah, that's the that's the same like structure, business right. structure. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So what, what does uh, this belly, this is belly company. What's yeah. The they're the called gold belly. Gold belly. Yeah. And what do they do exactly? So they partner with restaurants and shops and things like that to deliver their like local food to other places in the world. Like for example, they've even helped market some companies and make like cute kits like Shake Shack for example has um, a deal with them and you know you can't really ship a made burger from New York to Florida that's not gonna work but they made these kits where they you know joined forces with their meat supplier and then they give you like the frozen meat the cheese the Shake Shack bun the shack sauce that everybody goes crazy for and then someone can go online buy this and ship it anywhere in the country so I think that it's interesting because a lot of these companies don't have 
the capacity to ship perishables. So I feel like that's kind of where they change the game a little bit. And it's a marketplace where you can also have discovery options too. So if you don't know exactly what you're looking for, but you want to send a sweet treat to someone as a birthday gift or thinking of you or something like that, you can choose from a bunch of different options. Do you think that only works in the sweet space kind of fast food space? I I mean, that's what personally what I've used it for. There's probably a market for like fine. I think that could be a cool one. Like guys love grilling and steaks and things like that. But I'm a girl. I live in girl world where I think about like cookies and candy and things like that. So well, is there anything else you want to put out there? Close with today? Is there, where can people find you? Um, okay. I don't really have any real closing statements. I feel like we did a lot today. Yeah. Um, so I do have an Instagram by the time this airs. I hope that it is thriving and I'm posting on it. It's uh-huh money. And I have a website, uh-huh And that's it. Well, Ariel LaFon, I think you have a very unique business. I think it fits the future. And hopefully when I come to New York, I'll take you and your boyfriend to the Soho House will have a drink. If you need me to help you get you in, let me know. You can put me down as a reference if you yeah. do want to make that move. We can work on my bio. I'll make it cheeky. Yeah, cheeky. And you got to trademark cheeky. I'm on it. All right. Thank you. And uh, my name is John Edmonds Cosma. I'm the CEO of Bang Productions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.